This podcast is being produced for the University of Greenwich. Participants are Jeanette Gorzala and William Phillips. On behalf of Taimora and Aguiro, thank you very much for agreeing to take part in this. So there's five questions in total, and the first of which is what kind of legal regulatory services are provided by your organization? Our law firm is Stadler Völker Rechtsanwälte. We are an Austrian law firm, and basically we're a full-service law firm. One of our specialities is that we offer a blend of kind of like traditional industries and also emerging fields. Uh, about half of our client base are companies and startups, for example, in the blockchain industry, in the field of tokenization, and also in the field of AI and virtual reality and other upcoming upcoming trends and technologies. So um, talking about that, we offer, or one of our expertise is, of course, blockchain and tokenization. Um, here, a lot of new technology information innovations are developing and also new business models and services around that. And one of our legal expertise is, of course, the regulatory assessment of these new business models. Um, here, for example, in particular, fintechs need a license from the Austrian Market Authority when they provide certain services. So kind of like, um, for example, certain banking services, certain payment services, or certain services in relation to securities. Uh, here we assist, for example, in the legal and regulatory business model design and in aligning this with the Austrian Financial Markets Authority. And of course, also in obtaining licenses or, for example, um, registering virtual currency service providers with the authority. Another base of our law firm is uh, tokenized projects or tokenized finance. So, for example, uh, new services are developing around project financing and tokenizing finances from companies. And here our law firm is very proud to say that um, we are among or we were the first law firm uh, to assist the client, for example, in tokenizing profit participation rights. And another landmark project of a law firm was um, to tokenize the first um, user fructus rights via a capital markets prospectus. So the client was able to offer this tokenized securities in the European Union. And this was approved by the Austrian Financial Markets Authority. And another interesting field, which is up and coming and developing very much during this year, is advisory in the field of artificial intelligence, since the European Union published the first draft of the regulatory AI framework, which is the first framework globally to regulate certain AI use cases. And here, this is also one of our core expertise fields where we assist corporate investors and startups in AI compliance and how to develop AI products and services under the legal regulations. Okay. And you've already mentioned uh, this slightly, but what are the specific technologies within these categories that you use for your firm? Because obviously, if you're having to give advice, is there any actual technologies that you interact with, blockchain or artificial intelligence themselves? Um, yes. As a matter of fact, our firm also employs, for example, technicians. So um, we are not only lawyers, but we also have people with an IT background, which is especially important in the field where law meets technology or in the legal tech field. And so our firm, as a matter of fact, um, developed its own um, legal legacy system. 
So um, there are customized versions on the market for legal firms, which are typically used. There are two large providers in Austria. But as a law firm, which is kind of like very into legal tech and going new ways, we basically developed our own legacy system. So um, the system developed by us basically provides us with all the infrastructure for a legal firm. For example, um, automated email filing or um, the keeping of the time records, which is done automatically. We get reminders. Um, the system is customized to our needs. We are able to interact with our customers via our own cloud services. So um, we have a secure space where we can exchange files with customers digitally. We um, mostly kind of like if clients want to interact via the tools that are available for from huge providers, so comparable to Teams or Zoom, we can use them. But here also our firm has developed its own video conferencing tool during COVID last year. So this is also something that we developed in-house and we can use to interact with our clients. So you've mentioned that you develop a lot of the technologies yourself. What would you consider to be the limitation of such technologies? Would it be the compute performance? Would it be the data analytics? What would you consider to be the overall kind of limiting factors? Um, so, for example, for the tools that uh, we use, you know, for, for daily organization, for daily support, infrastructure is very, very important. So here, um, of course, it's very important you have enough internet capacity, that you have the security, that everything runs smoothly. And here, one restriction is kind of like the technology itself. So kind of like you always need to make sure you have the capacity to run these organizational support backbone tools um, that mainly operate in the background and make the interaction smooth and contribute to a very efficient time flow. And talking about the other field of legal services, for example, where you have tools provide drafts or you have automatic document completion, or you have tools that you use to search and screen, for example, files. Here, there is a whole different set of limitations to be considered. One limitation, of course, is the language, because um, law is highly, highly dependent on the language. And some term may mean something different in any other language and in any other jurisdiction. So this is something always to keep in mind when you use kind of like those legal searching tools or legal filing tools where you just kind of like screen for keywords because there might be something um, different that you would potentially be missing. This is one. And of course, such tools or such intelligent or smart tools need to be trained. So here, a huge focus needs to be laid on training um, because if these tools are not sufficiently trained or um, kind of like are trained to watch out for the for different red flags or for the wrong circumstances, this also may lead to the case that you're, for example, missing something or something gets overlooked. Um, and of course, the awareness is a very important factor when using legal tech. So kind of like that you are aware that you're using technology and which factors are built into this technology and which factors are not being built into this technology. Because every mathematical equation, of course, only considers so many factors. 
And it's very important to be aware of the limitations of the tool itself, because factors that are kind of like not considered by this tool, of course, also may potentially be overlooked if you're not aware of these uh, restrictions. So you've already mentioned that the EU are adding in uh, legislation covering artificial intelligence. What would you consider to be some of the legal aspects and the legal challenges to developing the services that you've already mentioned? Would it be, for example, the interpretation of such requirements or the different legislations in each country? What would be your opinion on the legal challenges? Thank you for this question. So I think this framework proposed for artificial intelligence, the intention is that this would be a harmonized framework throughout of the European Union. But of course, um, there are certain possibilities for member states to deviate from the standard, which are, of course, put there intentionally. But kind of like if member states, some member states may make more excessive use of these possibilities to create additional standards. Some may make less use of these possibilities. So even though it shall be a harmonized framework, there is kind of like certain leeway to add additional requirements so that it would not be harmonized. So we would have deviating standards to a certain extent again. So so this is one aspect and one challenge in implementing this regulation. And of course, the EU framework foresees, for example, certain use cases that would be considered high-risk technology in the future. And these high-risk technology use cases then trigger certain compliance requirements. Um, currently, this is an extensive list um, as an appendix to this regulation, and this list, of course, um, may be modified in the future. So here, of course, the regulation will set a certain standard, but in the future, some use cases may be added. So it's, for example, a moving target. Member states and the European Union always need to be aware of the market, aware of the developments, and to be up to date on this regulation and the use cases. And for implementing this framework from a practical perspective, there are certain compliance requirements. So, for example, documentation needs to prepared, be prepared on the system. The system needs to undergo quality management. It needs to undergo certain cyber risk procedures. So there is a high level of documentation and compliance also with regard to the data. And here the challenge is um, that there are currently no standards or no guidelines. So it will be very important that guidelines are given and standards are set for the entities and the people that need to comply with this regulation, that they also know kind of like how to implement this correctly and when the standards are met. So currently, this is also something that needs a little bit more guidance and a little bit more input. And of course, when talking about AI legislation, AI tools live on data. So they are trained on data, they are validated on data, and they are tested on data. And this AI regulation foresees a certain level and standard for this data. So it needs to be, of course, correctly obtained in accordance with the uh, general data protection regulations, for example, and also to the processing. The data put into these tools needs to be correct and accurate, and it needs to be true. And here, one limitation, of course, is the data available, because the data amount that is available to the European Union, for example, is smaller than, for example, data that is available in the US on the US market or, for example, on the Asian market. So here, 
we need to have huge awareness of the data we put into those tools because if the data is, for example, not correct or is biased in some way, this may lead to some biased output of the system. So one of the hugest challenges will be data. And what current developments are, uh, for example, that the EU is aware of this and they're already considering for example, some data exchange projects so that you have a huger, larger data set where you can train your tools to avoid that the outcome, for example, um, is not sufficient or is not compliant due to the fact that you have only limited data to train those tools. On the topic of future technologies and the ever-changing market, what would you consider to be the roadmap of your legal services offered by your organization? And if possible, could you give maybe a five-year snapshot and maybe a 15-year snapshot just to see how you expect the landscape will change? Of course, kind of like in developing our service offering forward and also the legal tools we have um, for the next year, we think um, it will be very important or we see with the interactions with customers that collaborative and agile working becomes more and more important. Um, this is also kind of like driven due to the COVID pandemic where remote working and home working has become pretty much standard and people are working from decentralized locations on projects together. So what we think or where our tools are developing is that it's possible, for example, to securely work on documents, for example, together, that you have one document that can be added by all parties remotely and that you, for example, do not have to consolidate this or kind of like do very inefficient markups, but that kind of like you can use shared and collaborative working tools and shared and collaborative workspaces um, to avoid redundancies and avoid inefficiency due to the fact that every party has its own document on its desktop and these are then exchanged via thousands of emails. So this is one thing we see where the trend is going, at least in our market, and these are things we are working on. This would be the first thing. Another thing where we see there is huge potential is, for example, kind of like to make working smarter so that we can offer our customers smart tools where they can, for example, very easily solve standard problems. Here we're working on intelligent document tools where you can kind of like very easily generate basic things you need as a customer, as a legal managed service we are going to offer to our customers. For example, when a corporate customer, when your firm name changes or when you change your managing directors, in Austria, the process is that you kind of like need to prepare an application to the commercial registry. This application then needs to be executed. It needs to be sent to the registry. Lawyers are able to do this automatically. Then the registry kind of like overlooks this and updates the commercial registry. This is kind of like the current process, which involves exchanging applications in Word. Then the client approves this. Sometimes changes are made. So it's kind of like a multi-step process. What we're working on is simplifying these processes where they're standardized so that you can very easily and electronically generate this, notify this to the commercial registry and where you avoid kind of like exchanging a lot of documents or where you have kind of like these burdensome more step processes. And kind of like for the 15-year old lookout, I mean, this is kind of like something very futuristic, but we see the trend goes more to convenience, more to efficiency, more to collaborative working spaces. People are going to work from all over the world 
And COVID has shown us that it's kind of like not necessary to travel so much for business or to be in the same room with new technologies coming up now, for example, like virtual reality, and potentially it will be able to meet in a virtual meeting room space with 3D visuals and kind of like interact on that way. So this would be something um, very fun for, for kind of like contract ne negotiations. I think because sometimes there are fictions that lawyers are going to be reduced and in the future there are going to be robo-lawyers and everything will be done without lawyers' involvement. So this is something that we not see because trusting someone with your legal representation, with your problems, is still something very human and very emotional where you need trust. So we see that lawyers as a person not, will not be kind of like replaced by robo-lawyers, but that this client relationship will still remain, but it will change to new legal tools and become more efficiently, but lawyers will kind of like not be replaced. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for answering those questions. They're all that I have. And thank you again for taking part in this podcast. This podcast has been produced on behalf of the University of Greenwich. You have been listening to Jeanette Gorzala and William Phillips.